Hello everyone, thanks for joining me for another episode in our Hebrew series. Uh, our text for today is Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5 through to chapter 2 verse 4. Um, it's a long passage, too long for us to read now, so if you haven't yet had a chance to read it, then uh, let me encourage you just to pause and to read it, and then we'll pick up our look at this very, very striking and very important passage. Good. Well, whenever we come to a passage of the Bible, there are three very important questions for us to ask. They're not complicated questions, but they are questions that will really help us to understand the passage of the Bible and see how it applies to us. They are the questions, what, how, and why? What is the author actually saying? That's a content question, so we get the answer to that by simply looking at what is in the text and taking a careful read of it, reading it slowly, if you like, to note what it's actually saying, rather than what we think it's saying. What is the author saying? Content. How is the author saying it? And why is the author saying it? And the why question, as we'll see, is really important when it comes to application. Content, what, how, style, why, purpose. Now, if we apply those three questions to our passage for today, what do we get? Well, the what question then is, what is the author actually talking about in chapter 1, verse 5, through to chapter 2, verse 4? And the answer, of course, if we look at the content, is to see that he's talking about the sun on the one hand, He's talking about the angels on the other, and particularly, there's a comparison being drawn between the sun and the angels. Can you see that? In fact, what he's doing is unpacking the statement he made in verse 4. In verse 4, he said that having sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, the sun has become as much superior to the angels as the name is inherited is more excellent than theirs. So in what follows... The author is really showing us that the Son is indeed superior to the angels and that he has a superior name. That is, that his person, his authority, because the name stands for the person, that his person and his authority is superior to that of the angels. So Jesus is greater than the angels. Now, why does he say that? Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. The second question we need to ask ourselves is, how is the author making this point? He's saying that Jesus is greater than the angels. He's taking a long time to say it, actually, from verse 5 all the way through to verse 13. How is he saying it? And you'll, you'll notice, and this is quite common in Hebrews, you'll notice that the author is making this point by quoting a whole string of Old Testament verses. So a good reference Bible will give you where each of these verses comes from. And one of the things you will notice is that in verse 5 and again in verse 13, we have a repetition. Do you see that? For to which of the angels did God ever say? Verse 5. And to which of the angels has he ever said? Verse 13. So that repetition brackets this section from verse 5 to verse 13. The quote in verse 5 is Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage, etc.? The son speaking, you are my son. Today I become your father is what the father says to him. Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Psalm 110 is the great Melchizedek Psalm, which is so important for Hebrews. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. In fact, this bracketing of material by Psalm 2 and Psalm 110 is there in the first four verses because the heir of all things in verse 2 is Psalm 2 and the sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high is Psalm 110. So we can see something of the author's method here. So what is he talking about? The fact that the son is superior to the angels. How is he making the point? 
Well, he's making the point by quoting a number of Old Testament texts, which you can look up in your own time, all of which are underlining the fact that the Son's name is superior, that in the world to come the angels will worship Him. Verse 6, the world, there is the world to come, not our world. He's not talking about incarnation, but the exaltation of the Son, remember, in this context. Like in chapter 2, verse 5, the world to come of which we are speaking, it's the same word. So he's talking about the Son as the great King at God's right hand. The Father-Son reference in verse 5 is the 2 Samuel 7 reference of God promising David an, an heir who will rule the world forever. That's Jesus. Let all the angels worship him. That's Deuteronomy. And then a, a number of the Psalms being mentioned, which speak about the fact that though the angels are God's messengers, that the Son is in fact equal with God as the great creator and the sustainer. And more to the point, verse 12, as the eternal king. You see that? You are the same. Your hearers will have no end. Jesus Christ, remember, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is far superior to the angels. And the way the author makes that point is by quoting a series of Old Testament texts which would have had authority for his original hearers and should have authority for us if we take God's word seriously, all of which are making this one great point. The Son is superior to the angels in the world to come. His name is more excellent than theirs. Why is he saying this? Well, the answer comes in chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 4, and in particular in verse 2. Notice that he compares in chapter 2, verse 2, the message declared by the angels on the one hand, versus verse 3, such a great salvation which was declared by the Lord and attested to by those of us who heard. That is the gospel message. So in chapter 2, 1 to 4, he's comparing the word that was mediated through the angels. That is the old covenant word, uh, Moses um, and the Torah that was given by the Lord from the mountain, of course, to all Israel, and then mediated through the angel of the Lord to Moses and written down in the book of the covenant, what we have in Exodus, Leviticus, etc. He's comparing that covenant word with the gospel word. And his point is that because Jesus is superior to the angels, the word that Jesus brings, the word of God in Jesus, is superior to the word that the angels spoke, what we would call the Old Testament text. And of course, the reason this is important for us to hear, for the original readers and for us as today's readers, is that he is desperately concerned that we should pay attention to the gospel word in Jesus and that we should not drift away from it. Uh, it's easy to be impressed by supernatural things and angels and talk of the supernatural and messengers from the other side. But what he is saying to us is that our focus and our attention should be directed to the one word from God that shapes our lives and in fact gives us this great salvation that he speaks about in verse 3. And that is the word of the gospel in Jesus, which is a word far superior to anything else that there is in the Old Testament and indeed in the world around us. In our next episode, we want to look at chapter 2 verse 5 through to chapter 2 verse 18. I hope you'll join me then. Thanks for watching.